Gracious Heavenly Father, as we open your word together this morning, help us to have open and receptive hearts and minds. Lord, by the power of your Spirit, teach us and inspire and encourage us, convict us where we need it. But Lord, help transform us to be more like Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Um, Our message this morning is not from that gospel passage. It's actually not from any of our readings. It's from the New Testament reading we didn't do, but I'm going to do in a moment. Um, And I I just want to quickly throw in there that response of Peter. I'll preach on it at some point here. Never Lord. Two words that should never be together. (laughs) No Lord. Um, You can't have both of them. Anyway, that's not my message, but I had to throw it in there. Um, Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read through a couple of these verses. Romans chapter 12. If you want to follow along in the Pew Bible, it's on page 1616 in those black Pew Bibles. Romans chapter 12. And verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Um, I think that is not only an extremely significant passage, and I'm not trying to place different parts of Scripture over other parts, um, but any time Paul essentially teaches the same thing Jesus was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, um, you just, you know as it comes back, there's something really important about this. This is a very significant and yet really, really difficult passage. Let me give you a story. I taught this the first time back in 2015 that I can remember preaching on it. And what I remember is it was a hard passage then because I spent a couple of hours at a central market in Plano, Texas, having an amazing cup of coffee and working my way through this passage. Do not curse, but bless. Man, that is hard. And on my way home, I'm on 190, and I'm heading towards north, the North Central Toll Road, the North Dallas Toll Road. I'm going to get this right. And, and to get off of 190 onto the North Dallas Toll Road, there are two lanes that go off, but then they merge into one, and then you get onto the toll road. Well, I'm in the right lane of the two lanes, and that is the one that merges. And then there's somebody else who is behind me. Their front tires are about where my back tires are. My lane ends in a concrete wall. I really need to get over because I will not do well in that concrete wall. And so I keep thinking at any moment, they're going to just, I mean, barely back up. All they got to do is like maybe pull off the gas a little bit and like I'll go in front of them and get on. They're not doing it. And I thought for a moment maybe I should speed up. But I thought, there's a concrete wall right there. I shouldn't probably speed up. That sounds scary. Um, so 
I don't, and they don't. So eventually, I just slam on my brakes. I mean, I, I don't know what else to do. And they fly by me, and this passage is in my mind. Bless and do not curse. And so I blessed them with a number of words that I cannot say in church. But I let them have it. (laughs) Because this is so hard. I mean, how many times has somebody done something to you and out of anger, hurt, the sense of injustice, what is the last thing you want to do to that person? Bless them. What you want to do is let them know how wrong they are. What you want to do is attack. I mean, that's what I want to do. Maybe you don't. But I feel like this is a really difficult passage to actually do this. So, what does all of it mean? Um, Before we can do that, I need to give you just a very, very brief English grammar lesson. And I know you didn't come here for that, and I know the students already are groaning because it's English grammar. But it's important, um, because what you cannot see in English is this passage is filled with a bunch of infinitives and participles. Joe, would you go to the screen? Oh, I'm sorry. That's what Jesus said. I forgot that one. Keep going. All right. Here's my sentence. Making balloon animals to entertain him, I survived my encounter with a giant grizzly bear. There's one verb in there that is the main verb, and it has tense. Past, present, future, it has tense. There are two other verbs, make and entertain, that are a participle and an infinitive. They have no tense. I can change survived to future, and I will survive, and it will not change making or to entertain, because those two verbs don't have any tense. They're not the main verbs. If I could show you these two paragraphs we're going to look at in Greek, you would see the same thing. There's a couple of verbs that are the main punches, and then a number of infinitives and participles that are meant to help those verbs, but not the primary command. I'll try and point it out to you as we go through, and the reason it's important is it gives you the structure. It tells you what it is Paul was emphasizing as he's going through All right, go ahead and... So, let's go to... Back into the text. Verse 14. Bless... This is a primary verb. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. This is the main idea that drives it. What does it mean? To bless somebody means to do something good on their behalf, some benefit quite often associated with some form of divine intervention. God will bless, or you might pray for somebody, and that would be a blessing to them. So it's a good thing. What you are supposed to do with this command is something beneficial, something that would be of benefit to another, and it might be praying for them, but it might be more. Do that to those who persecute you. Now, don't have in mind just like a third world country where Christians are dying for their faith. This word definitely entails that, but it is bigger. This is the idea of somebody pursuing you to do something bad. It might be to stand in your way. 
It might be to do some physical or emotional or mental harm to you, but it is doing something bad to you. I want you, Paul says, to do something beneficial for the person who's trying to do something bad to you. The person who cut you off and almost made you run into a concrete wall when you were trying to get off of 190. I want you to do something beneficial for them. Instead of bless and do not curse, which is basically the opposite of the blessing. This is to do something harmful to somebody. It also often involves some divine intervention. This could be praying something negative on someone else, a curse on them. So here's the main idea. This is what Paul drives at, and this is why this is just so hard. And I hope you'll let it sink in, because if you don't understand how hard it is, the rest of it won't matter nearly as much. Paul says, I want you to do something of benefit for the person who's trying to do something bad to you instead of you doing something bad to them. All right, how do you do that? What does that mean? What does that look like? There was a missionary named Alan Gardner back in the 1800s who had one heck of a missionary life. He converted almost nobody. He had a number of instances where both natives went against him and even church leaders went against him. He was once told at a place that he went, he was forbidden by the bishop to go to these people because the bishop said they're basically like animals and they're not going to listen to you anyway. Um, He had a very difficult missionary life. And here's how it ended. The last group of people that he was trying to share the gospel with, they began to steal his food and supplies. Now, there was a ship coming from England that was going to bring the the group more supplies, but it was based off of what they already had. But those were being stolen, tools, all of it, to the point that when the supply ship got there, the missionary team had all died. Alan Gardner's journal was found. And I want to read to you one line. This is one of his last lines. If I faint or die here, I beg of you, O Lord, that you would lift up others and send more workers to this great harvest field. That is blessing and not cursing. They're stealing his food, stealing supplies, and ultimately he would die, and on the verge of it, he is praying for them and asking God to send more people to get them to know Christ. That seems incredible to me. I couldn't even bless somebody cutting me off. I mean, it seems incredible to me, and yet this is the calling. So how do we do this? And that's what Paul does for the rest of this passage. A how and a why. Really two hows. How and why. Go back into the text. Here's the action. This is the blessing because the next verbs, they are not prime verb, primary verbs. These are, first one's an infinitive, then a participle. It's as if he says, bless and do not curse by rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn. 
You know how you become a blessing to others, at least one very significant way? Empathy. Be empathetic. What I want you to do is that person that's doing bad things to you, if you see that something good happens in their life, I want you to rejoice with them. If you see something negative happens to them, I want you to mourn with them even though they are attacking you. That's how I want you to bless them. It is a form of empathy. And let me just ask you, is there anybody here that your favorite thing is to have something amazing happen in your life and then have nobody to celebrate with? Absolutely. You're just totally by yourself. Don't you like having somebody around you, someone you love, maybe a spouse or friends to like rejoice with? Or when things are totally awful in your life, is your favorite thing to be absolutely alone in all of that terrible tragedy or to have somebody who sits with you and they can put their arm around with you and they can mourn with you. Empathy is a huge part of how we are created. And Paul says, this is how you can bless them. Be empathetic. And then he says this here, which connects, and I'll try and help see that connection. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. This both comes out of the empathy and will transition into the next command, which is actually do not be conceited. That's the next main verb in what Paul is doing. But here's what he says. I want you to be empathetic with everybody, even those that you might think are lower than you, even those in a position that you might normally think, I'm not going to associate with you. No, I want you to, I want you to do this with anyone. There's nobody that you should not be able to have empathy with if you're going to fulfill this. So the first is be empathetic. The second is, and don't be egotistical. Because the next command, which seems, again, a little bit like, what's he doing with this? And I'll try and show it to you. Do not be conceited. Literally, in Greek, it is do not be wise of yourself. Don't be arrogant. Don't trust your own wisdom and place yourself up above everybody else. And and then he leads off, again, with more of these infinitives and participles that describe how do you not do that? How do I not be wise in my own eyes? Well, look at verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Here's the first thing you do. Don't return what they're doing to you. Now, he's already said, bless and don't curse. But he's going to get more specific here. You're having evil done to you. Don't return that evil. And there's a couple of reasons. Here's the first. There's a reason he says, don't be wise in your own eyes. There's only one way that you might actually stand in a position to curse somebody out, to return the evil, and it would be this. Is there no evil in you at all? Like, are you actually in a position where you could judge somebody else? Have I never cut somebody off? I don't want to answer that question. I'm pleading the fifth. If I'm not being, if I'm not being arrogant, I have to recognize any time I think I deserve to give back to somebody else because they've done it to me, oh man, there's a hundred people that could line up and do it to me. Do not repay evil for evil. You're not in a position to. Not only that, and this again starts to get hard here, Be careful to to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, even the person who is doing the persecuting of you. Everyone. 
If it is possible, and it's not always, by the way, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Hey, here's what you're to do. That person that's coming after you, you're to bless them by trying to be empathetic with them, and that way you can have peace. And guess what? It may not work. But that's okay, because your job, if it is possible, is to be at peace with everyone. You can only do so much. You cannot force them to be at peace with you. And, and this is where faith comes in. So one of the reasons that we don't like to do this, how many of you like injustice? How many of you like when things are unfair? Anyone? How many of you like when people get off and don't get punished for bad things they've done? Anyone? No. I mean, there's this sense in us of a right and a wrong and a fair and an unfair and all these things. Like, we don't want this. And part of the reason we do not want to bless people who are persecuting us is because we do not want them to get off with it. However, verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. It's his. The question is, will you trust him? In that moment where you want to get back at somebody, and you're just like, I cannot let this go, can you go, Lord, I'm giving this to you? And you can do it for two reasons. Number one, to simply obey what you're being told in the Scriptures. But number two, I want you to think about this. Who is in the best possible position to repay somebody for the evil they have done? Is it you or God? Go back to our command. Don't be wise of yourselves. You only have a sliver of what is actually going on. You may not know their motives. You may not know their background. You may not know how good, bad, anything about them. God knows all of it. He knows exactly what should be done in every situation. Can you trust that instead of trusting yourself? Let him have the vengeance, not you. And then he goes back to what he had said previously. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Empathy. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And it's in doing this... And he used this language, it's right out of Scripture, he'll heap burning coals on his head. Um, hopefully in a positive way, this is a, an idea of not you punishing them so much as bringing conviction, turning to repentance. Can that happen? So be empathetic, don't be egotistical. That's what he says to do, and he shows you kind of how to do it. I was looking at this blog from a college student. It's a first-year student and told this story of first day of class. When the professor got up and gave the syllabus out and then talked about himself, described his life, said all these great things. And then he said to all the students as he stood before them, he said, do any of you think you're stupid? Stand up. Nobody stood up. He said, let me ask it again. Do any of you think you are stupid? Stand up. And then in the back, one student got to his feet. And the professor said, so you think you're stupid? And the student said, 
no, I just didn't want you to be alone. Empathy, right? (laughs) But that is kind of the idea. Don't let them be alone. Be with them. And then we end with what I think Paul is maybe the biggest point in all of this. Why does he say all of these things? Why is this so important? Why did Jesus say it? Why does it mean so much? The very last verse, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Ultimately, what it comes down to is Paul says, don't let evil win in your life. When you respond to people in the way that they mistreated you, when you respond out of anger or this sense of how dare you, the evil that they are doing is becoming the evil that you are returning. He says, don't let that happen. Instead of getting sucked into that and letting it determine how you respond, I want you to use good to overcome that evil. Um, This happened to me. It's happened to me a number of times. Um, In fact, I think it actually happened about a week ago. I'm not going to tell that particular story, but I'm going to tell you a different one Um, because it is so easy for it to happen. It is so easy to let other people's evil become the way that I respond. Many years ago, when Killian, my 10-year-old, was two, we were getting ready to leave. It was a particular morning, and he was just nonstop asking me something. I honestly don't remember what he was asking. I just remember him. He just kept asking, and I could say no, I could say not now, I could say later, I could say whatever, and he just wouldn't stop. Parents, have you ever had your kids just not stop? I mean, it just, and finally at some point, I looked at my two-year-old, and at the top of my lungs, I said, shut up! And every parent is going, oh God, because you know what that is like. How horrible that feels when you just lose it on them. Well, we were also getting ready to go to church, and I was wearing a collar. I mean, just to add insult to injury. I mean, it just was like, but I let my emotion and what was going on with him overcome me, and then I responded out of it. Instead of using good to overcome the evil of my two-year-old, You can pray for me later. (laughs) I let that overcome me. That's what Paul says. Don't let that happen. Don't get sucked down into it. Because with good, we can do so much more than we can with evil. So, summarize here. The main idea is this. I want you to bless... Do good for, bring some benefit to, through prayer and other ways, those who are not doing that to you. And instead of cursing them like I know you want to, I want you to bless them by being empathetic. And I want you to remember, check your ego. Don't let that ego be the thing 
that makes you think somehow I'm better than you and I can do all of these things and I know more than I can and they're not just going to get off. God will judge all people. Let him do it. Leave it to him to do it. Because you don't want evil to overcome you. Now, does that mean you always just let evil people do whatever they want? No. There's a great scene in the book of Acts where the Jewish leaders are just going after Paul, and they want him ultimately executed is what they want. Paul does not attack them. But he also doesn't just go, great, here, here I am, take me, I'm, kill me. That's, he goes, I call upon Caesar because that is my right as a Roman citizen to have my trial. It is perfectly okay for us to use the law. It is perfectly okay for us to remove ourselves from bad situations. It is not okay for us to attack back. That's what he's getting at. You can remove yourself from something without being a jerk, without letting the evil overcome you. Don't let the evil win. Because when you don't, you have possibilities. And I will end with this possibility. A woman in Texas named Kelsey Golden recently had a very interesting experience. Her son, who loves the cell phone because the two-year-old likes to look at himself in it, got a hold of the phone, did stuff he normally does, at least she thought, until a little while later she got a notification. DoorDash was running behind. And she wondered what that was because she thought I, her older kids, she'd packed lunch for them and everything. She's like, this has got to be a mistake. I didn't order DoorDash. Um, well, a little while later, she's outside playing with her two-year-old, and a car drives up, and a woman gets out with a big bag. Um, I'll just show you what was in it. 31 cheeseburgers from McDonald's. <laughs> and the woman walked up, and she said, uh, 31 cheeseburgers? And, she, and at first, Kelsey thought, that's got to be the wrong house or something. Then she went back, she looked at her phone, no, no, no. Her son had ordered 31 cheeseburgers from McDonald's. <laughs> what do you do at that moment? You better learn to, oh, and she said the ironic thing is nobody in their house eats cheeseburgers. <laughs> uh, so just to add, you know, insult to injury. Um, now, unlike me, she did not yell at her son. She did not yell at the delivery driver. She added a 25% tip to the delivery driver. She then posted this on Facebook and gave the hamburgers away over the next, like, 45 minutes. One woman in the neighborhood who was pregnant came and got six of them. <laughs> and I guess she said, please don't judge me. <laughs> and then, because this got back to the McDonald's, they invited them to come and they gave the little boy cheeseburgers and some tater, uh, not tater tots, chicken McNuggets and like, I mean, just... This whole like experience turned into this kind of blessing, and she said, I hope this will be a blessing to others when they hear my story. Imagine if we could turn our bad things into a blessing for somebody else, maybe even the person who's doing the bad things. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word for the ways that it guides and leads us, for the ways that it encourages us. Lord, I pray now that by the power of your Holy Spirit, 
we would really take this to heart. We'd start thinking about our lives and the ways that we might bless people, even those who want to do harm to us. Lord, help us to overcome evil with good. In the name of Jesus, amen.